Stand by for the hook. Welcome to The Hook with Katie Kempner, Vice President of Agency Communications at Crispin Porter and Boguski, the most awarded advertising agency in the world. Every Tuesday at the intersection of advertising and PR, The Hook, where Katie talks with advertising visionaries, top journalists, cutting-edge creatives, authors, and PR gurus. Hear what these industry insiders have to say about the changing landscape of advertising and PR today. Now here's your host, Katie Kempner. Hello, I'm Katie Kempner. Today is Tuesday, January 9th, and welcome to the very first 2007 edition of The Hook, where each week I talk to advertising, branding, marketing, and public relations insiders and entrepreneurs who are both leading and covering the industry. I hope that you will find inspiration and new ideas as you listen to these thought leaders and their take on what this rapidly evolving industry means to them and ultimately to you. So when I started thinking about this new year, I knew I needed to start 2007 out right with a really strong, amazing guest. And guess what? I am. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Bert Helm, the marketing editor of Business Week magazine. He's so smart, funny as can be, and a really great guy. And just a little bit about Bert before we begin talking. He's been a member of the Business Week staff since September of 2004, when he began as a technology reporter for BusinessWeek.com where he covered a wide range of topics, including science, digital media, and online advertising. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Yale University, and I will let him tell you the rest. Hello, Bert. Welcome. Thanks. Hi. So how was your New Year's celebration? New Year's was good. It was actually, no, it was terrible. What am I talking about? It, uh, it ended up sort of, a, I don't know how many of your listeners are from New York City, but it ended up on uh, uh, in crappy bars in the Upper East Side trying to track down an old friend of mine from college, um, who was, of course, drunk beyond uh, being able to say hello by the time I got to him. So, yeah, it wasn't great. So here, I like to think of myself as very good at segues. So I think we can use this drunk beyond belief segue to start by talking about college and Yale and how you got where you are today. So you're at Yale, a place where my grandfather always assumed I would go because he went there, although I'm not sure why I thought I was going to go there, although I wanted to go there, but let's talk about you actually being there. So, okay. so you get to Yale and, and what happens? I, I mean, I, sh- I showed up. Everyone was extremely excited to see me. They said I was the most amazing. Now, I, I mean, uh, what a what a way to uh, uh, lead in. I mean, I don't know. It, it was funny because I sort of fell ass backwards into to journalism. I mean, I didn't really plan it as a, as much of a thing I wanted to do. I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I pretty much took classes and, and everything. And then how did you get to your column, Effin Sweet? Oh, okay. You're going to want to bring that up. So basically, um, the story there was mm-hmm. I joined a um, sketch comedy group like as a writer um, my sophomore year to try to impress a girl. Mm. Um, and uh, I was pretty terrible. And actually, um, only one thing I ever wrote uh, ever ever made it on the on the show, which was a um, into their sort of show, which was a sketch about a, uh, a homeless person who could do multivariable calculus. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, that was like the best thing I wrote, so to give you any sort of sense of, of, of that. But anyway, they, they, I'd, I'd written something, and, and I was really psyched, and I brought a bunch of friends, and then they canceled it at the last second and didn't tell me. And oh. I was like humiliated and sad and, and quit abruptly, and they felt bad, so they were like, oh, we edit this. Um, we edit the scene section of the YDN. Why don't you write a column for us, and you know, you won't have to be in our sketch comedy group, and um, we don't have to sort of put up with you anymore. So... Um, or we'll put up with you in a different theater. So I started writing this thing, which was basically um, about uh, getting getting drunk and going out on weekends and, and failing to pick up girls, um, which, of course, translated into going to work at, at Business Week covering marketing and editing. So I guess, long story, the rest is history. And there you have it. But did you, did you get the girl? Sorry. Did you get the girl from the uh, sketch comedy? No, not at all. No, of course not. Not at all. Not at all. No. Okay, well then let's go on to what you do now, <laughs> Business Week. <laughs> Jumping cover, to now I... with no segue, because in fact I'm not good at segues. Uh, David Colley was a guest on the show before, and he moved uh-huh. back to Detroit to cover his passion in the car industry, and now you get uh, promoted to marketing editor. And uh-huh. um, what's the first thing you decide that you're going to do when you get there? Man, well, Kylie's a 
tough act to follow. He's, he really made a name for himself here in New York, and here I was sort of jumping into this new beat and not knowing uh, much about what I was going to be doing with myself. So um, I don't know. I, uh, I guess I, basically I, I'd started on online advertising, so that topic was pretty interesting to me and mm-hmm. uh, just sort of started, you know, going out and having lunch with uh, people like you guys and learning more about the industry and sort of still getting my sea legs a little bit, but it's pretty pretty great uh, world to be playing in today, I think. It's a lot of fun to watch what everybody's, what everybody's up to. So what do you, what's, the most in, what's the thing about marketing that interests you the most? And I say marketing in a really broad, you know, oh, umbrella of a word. Oh, I Porter and Bogusky by far. <laughs> in case anyone doesn't know, they say Katie works for uh, Chris and Porter and Bogusky. Um, no, but I'm wearing my other hat at the moment. Right now, I'm internet live radio and podcast host. Oh, wow! You wear you wear hats to keep yourself straight. I wear hats because otherwise, it's all so confusing to me. Oh, okay, all right. Well, um, it's um, no. I, I mean, I don't know. It's there's there's lots of different things, but I I think that. Um, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think if people in the office send me about 15 YouTube videos a day, um, and if you can work your way into to that area, my favorite my favorite advertisement right now mm-hmm. is not done by any any uh, big agency or any big brand. It's a little YouTube video that I just so love so much called "Will It Blend." Um, and if you can hear, that's that's John Fine, our uh, media editor, just also let out a cheer for Willet Blend, our, our media columnist. Forgive me, uh, let out a cheer for for Willet Blend because it's you've got this guy. I think he's in Utah. With mm-hmm. he's got a blender that would probably only have made it onto late night TV uh, in in years past that can blend just about anything. And so he does this little five minute info uh, infomercial of sorts on YouTube where he will take any object and and obviously put it in the blender um, and find out if it blends. And undoubtedly it does, and it's incredible. And it turns into this sort of lethal dust that if you breathe will kill you. Um, but he does iPods and he does golf balls. And there's one, I haven't seen it, but in the in the sort of opening shot where he's doing a crowbar, very exciting. But anyway, it's a, like a totally stupid product, right? And mm-hmm. I can't pull my eyes away. And... Um, and it's like there you take like the cheesiest form of advertising and suddenly it's the most enthralling because it's in the right um, place in the right time. I mean, you wouldn't want to watch an infomercial like that at home, but at work, like I'm looking for anything. So a, a, a blender is just fantastic, right? Uh, but now have you bought one? Are they for sale? They are for sale. You go to, boy, this is like brought to you by Blendtec Blenders. <laughs> um, they, oh yeah, you go online and there's, uh, there's a, a whole website, and I I would want to buy one. I don't know if I have space in my kitchen um, for a blender. blender right now. Yeah, yeah I live in, mm-hmm. in our our kitchen is is kind of part of the living room. It's like a sitcom. There's a, the the refrigerator's right next to the television. Um, this is you know it's like a classic New York. City is your park. bathtub in your kitchen too? No, no, we don't. We don't. We have there's there's, you actually, don't there's a separate <laughs> bathroom. But it, it's not quite that bad. But um, there's like you know we have like a pantry entertainment center that's got DVDs mixed with like you know oregano and saffron. It's it's really um, fantastic. It's really good you know classic New York clothing. That's pretty funny. So now I have to ask you something. I was looking through some of your articles, your recent articles. And I know you are not above some sleuthing, even when it's on foot. And I'm <laughs> referring specifically to the story you wrote um, on October 25th about a Jay Z video and a very fancy bottle of champagne that was featured in the video. And since right. I always like to bring it around to alcohol whenever I can, and I feel that you might not be opposed to that as well, can you talk a little bit about what, you're got, what got your attention and what you ended up doing about it? Yeah, so the story there, that was actually a blog post on um, a really fantastic blog called businessweek.com slash brand new day um, that Kylie and I do together. But that was, a, that was a blog post where I'd gotten, I think I'd seen it on Gawker or one of those um, blogs that you go to while you're eating your lunch um, about this champagne that had appeared in this new Jay-Z video. I'm like a huge Jay-Z fan. So um, there's this so it's video, if you haven't seen it, it's the show me what you got video and he's sort of racing around Monte Carlo and he ends up on this island and then there's this um, this great um, 
party where he's, you know, as you know, Jay-Z boycotted Cristal last year. And so then, so he waves away the Cristal, and a waiter brings him instead in this sort of very sort of 007-looking briefcase, opens up the briefcase, and there's this bottle of, of, of champagne, and it's like gold, and it's really ornate, and it's really, you're like, what the hell is this? And everybody was saying, like, what the hell is this? And then these various, you know, bloggers in, around the blogosphere were trying to figure it out. And there was, a, there was a press release the next day from this brand called Armand de Brignac that no one had mm-hmm. ever heard of, saying we're this little-known brand in France, and we're so happy we're in the Jay-Z video. Um, we are just starting in um, the U.S. We're really excited. It was like, it was like um, yeah, right. Like, how? what a stupid coincidence. So um, the next thing, no, is that they've, these people have sort of tracked it down, and they've said this, this whole brand is fake. It looks like it's fake. It looks like it's this other bottle that actually only costs $60, not $300. It just looks like it's just a big, big product placement. So I, I don't know. That kind of got my attention because I... Um, you know, and I sort of justified working on it more than, you know, it, obviously this wasn't going to be a story in, like a full-blown story in Business Week, but it really got my attention um, as sort of a, is this a product placement? Is this organic? Why is this company sort of putting out a press release right after a Jay-Z video? Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent an email, um, still just thinking like, you know, maybe I'll just sort of see if I can get comment from them and just write up a little blog post. And it came back, it sounded like a... a a, a fake, uh, sort of an auto-response email. And the number got, like, just um, nobody picked up. It's like a message. Uh, but there was an address um, at, the, at the bottom of the email. And I thought, you know, how often, you know, especially today when you do, you know, so much reporting by phone and over the Internet, you actually, it was, you know, it was down in Soho. So I picked up my, my camera, and I was, like, wearing, you know, like a very sort of, like, I felt like old-timey, like, 50s journalist <laughs> suit that day. Um, and got my little notebook. It's I don't know. Um, I've never seen these for sale anywhere, but we have these things that literally say reporter's notebook on them. Um, it's left over from letters. the Hardy Boys. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I called Chet, and um, and we went down uh, to Soho. The, um, but, you know, so I, I found this sort of dingy walk-up that was the address and uh, rang the buzzer and got sort of a very confused guy on the phone or on the buzzer. You know, I said, this is Berthelm from Business Week. And he sort of said, nobody's home. <laughs> I said, who are you? And so he said, hold on, I'll come down. And it was this kid who'd been out of college a couple of years. Um, and it was like the marketing manager for this new brand. It was this little company that had basically lucked out. They were, you know, sort of concocting a brand. It was an existing brand in France. Um, and, and yet, but, but one that they hadn't sold any champagne for for about 20 years. Uh, so they picked it up so they could officially be champagne, but then they were, you know, making it this new exclusive champagne in the in the in the market, uh, mm-hmm. in the U.S. market. And then they had, I guess, this guy, the owner, the guy who owned this brand. So he he called his boss on the cell phone. And he says, "I have Bert Helm here from Business Week." Um, and the guys, and then he, I heard him on the other says, "No, really, like here, um, he showed up like." Um, you know, I've got my notebook in hand, and like, if, if I had, <laughs> and a I know hat it's him because like he has a, little, a reporter notebook with him. Yeah, right. And if I'd had like a little hat with the press thing, I, I would have worn it. But because uh, you know, how often do you get to go get the scoop like that? So but that's um, not really undercover sleuthing, is it? No, it was sort of in your face. Uh, if you have the hat on, yeah. Yeah, but it, it, so he gets the guy on the phone, and the guy explains to me that he like had given a bottle. This is their story, anyway. So he'd given a bottle to Jay Z, and Jay Z had loved it. Um, and had put it in his music video apps for a whole case of it. And then they just sort of were so surprised that then they put out, they didn't know quite how to handle it, they put out a press release. Anyway, I mean, the, the result was like a total backlash against these guys as being phonies, um, you know, for making up a, a brand. And I don't know sort of how much Jay-Z knew about um, what sort of the origin of this brand was and mm-hmm. how you can hear it. He actually, he raps about it in... Um, in Show Me What You Got. He says the gold bottle with the ace of spades um, is one of his lines, and that's what he's referring to. And um, he, uh, he it, 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 it's funny, because I actually heard him on a serious satellite radio show, and I think he was bristling a little bit at the fact they put out a press release afterwards. I mean, um, he said, you know, he's like, how about just a thank you? It's like, why don't you just say thank you? They never said thank you in the press release. Here I am giving them all this free publicity. Like, you're welcome. Um, 
so I don't know. The whole thing to me was just a really interesting case study in like, uh, you know, product placement and when a product placement is organic and looks placed. Like just the fact that we're so used to um, product placements right now mm-hmm. um, and and just so numbed to them that even when it's real, when you know, if Jay Z actually liked this drink and you actually want to drink what Jay Z's drinking, um, you still don't buy it. I don't know. I, I, I just found it interesting. What do you think, Katie? Well, hmm. I'm the interviewer, but I think it's kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> but I don't have to have an opinion. I have to be light and bubbly and yet somewhat inquisitive. <laughs> oh, okay. But, you know, my I, job. but I believe, I also happen to believe that product placement really seems to be reaching its limits. And I wonder, you know, what will be next? I mean, do you have any specific feelings about what you think comes next? Well, the thing to me is what I... I I went. I don't. Did you go see the um, the latest James Bond movie? I did not. It's. Can, wait, cool. I have to say something about that. It was Thanksgiving. Okay. I'm uh-huh. trying to cook a little bit since I'm not very good at it. And my sister was like, "Hey, what about I take your kids and we'll get out of your hair and go see, you know, the new James Bond movie while you and mom and Frankie, my husband, oh, you know, Frankie, finish up." And I was like, "What?" So, so not only did I not see the James Bond movie, I'm a little bitter about it. But go on. <laughs> yeah. So this, I mean, it was it was a pretty good movie, but it was like chock full of of product placements. A lot of, a lot from Sony uh, in particular. I guess it was a. Sony unit that did the movie, um, uh, but anyway, what I thought was interesting was, I mean, to me, it was completely obvious. These were really, really obvious product placements. I mean, you have him holding the Sony camera with the shiny, like, buffed up Sony logo um, right. Like, right there. You've got him, you know, it's like, is that a Rolex? No, it's an Omega watch. Um, all over the place. And, um, and then he's driving uh, just like every model, make and model of the Ford fleet throughout the show. Like, he's got a, like a rental car that's like a, I, w- I want to say it's a Taurus because it's the rental car you want to get, but it's not a, it's not a Taurus, but it's like a really nice Ford. But basically, you know, my feeling was, you know, to me it was completely obvious, and I, and I don't know if it would have been mm-hmm. to your average viewer or, you know, the way, like, everybody on the coast talks, like, you know, and especially in advertising sort of talks in this patronizing tone about, you know, the Midwest viewer who somehow is just like the most naive person in the world who just believes everything. I think if there if such a viewer does exist, they they won't exist in like five years. Top. You know, everyone right. will see will know, will recognize a product place when they see it. Um sh- for sure. And I think but I I don't think that means that it's going to be uh, no longer worthwhile personally. I mean, if the product looks good, um you know, I thought his like Shirts and ties looked really good in that movie. They didn't actually show you what the brand of that was, but like if the cars look good, you know the um, what was he? I guess he's driving a uh, an Aston Martin because it's owned by Ford now, right? Plus, well, and that's a cool car. I mean, any way you look at it, that is yeah, a it's a cool, cool car. car, and it's like cool to see if it's a cool product and it's got screen time, and I can see that it's you know intrinsically cool, then good for them and it's worthwhile but if it's you know if they're hoping just to get a halo fact from the fact James Bond is using it nobody's going to buy it at all anymore I mean that, that sort of editorial choice just doesn't hold any water anymore yeah I agree we are going to take a very quick break and when we come back we'll talk more about some of your other stories and blogs we'll be back right after this Sit tight and don't move. The Hook will be back after this short break. Best of the Web, the Internet's oldest directory, EOTW.org, since 1994. Our editors scour the web finding quality sites, providing users with spam-free resources, relevant information from valuable sites. Submit your site now for a guaranteed review in three days or less. For webmasters needing additional exposure, check out our 60-day free trial on category sponsorships. 60 days free advertising. No kidding. And don't forget the Best of the Web's reseller program with the industry's highest commissions, 25% recurring commission on all products and services. Bloggers, make sure to check out the BOTW blog directory and the recently launched volunteer editor program to help build the best blog resource on the web. 
Attention webmasters, wish you could convert more web traffic into cash? No need to rub a lamp, just click on genienose.com. Install a search box on your site or incorporate paid listings XML into search results and at your command, genienose.com pays cash for each result your users click on. Enjoy prompt payment and superior customer service. Earn even more through our referral program. Genienose has delivered results. G-E-N-I-E-K-N-O-W-S.com Marketing payouts lacking green, leaving you seeing red? Get your business in the black with NeverBlueAds.com. Sign up with NeverBlueAds.com today and earn an additional $200 for the first $200 generated. Get ready to flash those pearly whites with unique campaigns, real-time stats, great personal service, and high payouts on time every month from NeverBlueAds.com. Results for advertisers, income for affiliates, everybody wins with a better marketing experience from NeverBlueAds.com. Want traffic? For results without hassle, look no further than Search Ad Network. Focused on your core goals, our dedicated account management team will drive your online sales, increase brand recognition, and generate leads for offline sales through expert search engine marketing and technology. In addition, Search Ad Network offers free click fraud detection and API access into all major engines to ensure your business reaches their desired ROI. Visit searchadnetwork.com today to experience true profit through performance. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner, and today we are talking to my friend Bert Helm, marketing editor of Business Week magazine. Hello, Bert. Hi. We're back. (laughs) Hey, we're back. We're back. That's, you know... This is really my favorite part, the going in and out, because I feel very sort of hostessy. Mm-hmm. We're back right after this. It's it's good, isn't it? Are you any? Are you related to Levon Helm from the band? No, no. Nor am I related to Jesse Helms. I'm related to to Ben Hardenhelm, who um, fought um, and died, I think, in the Civil War. That's the only celebrity Helm. You've heard of him, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's an okay one. <laughs> you could have said Levon. I wouldn't have known the difference. Yeah, I should say Levon. It would be more interesting. I wish I wish I were, but I'm I'm not. You know, you said you need some help with the chicks. I mean, maybe that would be you know. Tell him Levon. I'm related to Levon. Hell, know. you know the I band. Can, if, if you're at the point when you're like claiming ancestry to try to get chicks, <laughs> you're. It's, it's, no good. Or if you're calling them chicks, I guess it's no it's no good. That's also no good. So yeah. let me ask. It's just no good. So we we talked about you being able to you leaving your office to hunt down the champagne. Where right. do you where do most of your stories come from? Well, when uh, it sounds like it's like almost like a a, a birds and the bees talk, right? <laughs> right. It's it's funny actually. I mean, it's it's one of these things where you constantly sort of like write little notes to yourself, or you know, sometimes it comes like you'll have like uh, you know, you'll meet with someone. Um, you know, occasionally the PR person calls you and says something interesting, although that doesn't happen very often. But um, you know, it's like you just I'm constantly sort of find you know, it, I think any reporter finds things that just sort of uh, spark their interest or um, make them a little bit curious. And you find out, you go and, uh, you know, you just sort of look into it a little bit more. There's probably, like, you know, ten ideas of things that might be a good story mm-hmm. for every one you end up writing um, that don't pan out. And you sort of get to various levels. Some of them get very far along. And then you just think, no, this isn't really that interesting or it's not really what they're what we actually thought it was in the beginning. But, I mean, it, it can be from all manner of places. I mean, the last story I wrote... Um, and the magazine was about this drink that Coke and Nestle are marketing called Enviga, mm-hmm. um, which they say burns calories. Um, and it just had these... I actually was coming back home from uh, visiting my parents uh, in Pennsylvania, and the, they, there was a billboard that had just gone up uh, for the drink. It's been out in New York and Philadelphia since November, but they're launching nationwide next month. And there's mm-hmm. this billboard up that said, this drink proven to burn calories. And I thought, boy, is that something? I've never heard of a drink, you know, claiming it, you know, that it's proven to, to burn, to be negative calorie was the other billboard. So I just sort of 
started looking into it and making calls, and it actually turned out to be, you know, that was just sort of the beginning. What's really what's interesting about that story is how careful you have to be when you're marketing um, any drink that, that people might perceive as a weight loss drink. Mm-hmm. Um, because the FTC just last week cracked down on, um, you know, Trim Spa, which has the Anna Nicole Smith ads and Cortislim, you know, a lot of the ones you hear, like, on the radio, um, mm-hmm. um, and those really cheesy radio ads, uh, you call a number and they send it to you. They've, they've all been hit with million, fines of, of millions of dollars by the FTC. And so you really have to be careful that if you make any sort of claim in uh, this area that you can back it up. And, you know, Coke is a very conservative company, and they... Um, it's very interesting to see all the things that they state, although it sounds very sort of marketing, you know, negative calorie, proven to burn calories. Um, they did clinical trials to just test that, to just test if it actually burned calories. And, and it does um, do, I think, largely to the fact that it's just got a lot of caffeine in it, mm-hmm. which anything you drink with a lot of caffeine speeds up your heart rate and um, increases your metabolism. Um, but Coke, and like, you know, they told me when I was talking to the same Note that we never, ever, ever say weight loss. Just, like, know that. Don't slip up and think that we're talking about a weight loss drink. Meanwhile, there's another group that's suing them because they're saying, you know, anybody who says calorie burning means weight loss, and this is a, a false claim. Or they're not sued yet, but they, they've been threatened with a lawsuit by this group, uh, the Center for Interest in Public Science, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But anyway, so that was, you know, that's an example of, like, where you get the story. It was a billboard I thought was interesting and then you find out that there's actually very um, the very sly uh, uh, wording and, and sort of strategy behind it so yeah I, oh here cool. wait I, I have that story here it's the center for science in the public interest that's it that's it that, right. that's the watchdog group I actually did my research but I know that might be surprising to you <laughs> yeah, usually when I get on the phone with anybody, it's just sort of like, who are you again? What's, what's, what? Huh? what are we talking about? <laughs> I like so in we... the story how you say, leaving aside officially delicious, what exactly is a negative calorie? That's right. Well, that was the other claim, was that it was officially delicious, which we didn't, um, we didn't go after them as hard on that. Um, you should have, because what, what in the world does that mean, officially delicious? Yeah. Oh, that kind of sounds good. Officially delicious. Some sort of regulatory board that, that <laughs> looked over weight. that. Where you could say it was officially delicious and then you could sort of appeal it. Like I don't know, what I I'm trying to think of something that would be sort of first on the list of officially uh delicious. <laughs> I don't officially know. delicious. Maybe but that champagne, like but we wouldn't fruit. know because we can't try any. That's There's right. none around, right? Right, the champagne was, it was, they were, they were, you know, so overwhelmed by the demand that they couldn't fill any of the orders. I mean, who knows? So let me ask you, so I want to talk a little bit about blogging. And, you know, I, I referred to one story and you said, oh, no, that was, that was on the blog, that Brand New Day, that I do with David yeah, Kiley. Yeah, you see a little icon is- of my head next to the story, that means it's a, it's, it's a blog post. They're usually shorter, too, and they, and they also don't have anything to do with anything. They sort of ramble. Your head is, looks a lot smaller than David's. Yeah, that was actually, the- you know they actually resized those pictures? Um, <laughs> because if you did it naturally, well, not naturally, it was the way the camera was. I'm not saying that, that David's head is that much more. It uh, isn't. I mean, it might be a little bigger. Than my head. It makes it look like, it really looks sort of Abbott Costello-esque, <laughs> right? No, you know, it was, it was literally just they put the camera a lot closer to David's head. Uh, that they put to my head, but they they resized the images to make put them a little bit more in parody um, than they were. But now, how does it work? How, how does it work? So, day. if I were if I call you pitching you a story, I mean, is it sort of and, and I want it in Business Week? Is it sort of uh-huh. fair game where you could say, look, you know, that's not interesting, but I'm going to do it for my blog? Yeah, yeah, it can be. There's definitely different levels of you know sort of how, how, I mean, how fast does it take to explain, I mean, how much time do you need to explain whatever it is? How important is it? I mean, I think the stories that are really interesting marketing stories mm-hmm. are when it's, it's you know, there's stuff that, that agencies do that's really clever, and you're sort of like, and, and then a lot of times they'll, you know, people will pitch you on stories where they're doing something really smart, and it's sort of like, you know, good for you, that's great, but, um, like, well, what do you, here's a cookie, um, 
it's officially up, delicious like cookie. I'm very proud of you, but I don't quite. I mean, for us, what's interesting is when it's like a marketing challenge, when it's something that um, that you would think would be hard to sell or would be counterintuitive, or there's some sort of uh, uh, tension, you know? Like a blender. Uh, like a blender. Well, the blender went on the blog. See, I wouldn't write a full story about the the blender. I mean, it's like, the for me, I should do a better job blogging, honestly. I never blog. Oh, don't say that. It's hard. It's hard to come up with things to say all the time. Well, how how important, you know, people talk a lot about blogging, and some people that are very computer savvy are very into blogging. Some people, like myself, are still to a certain extent trying to figure out just how important they really are to businesses. I mean, yeah. what are your feelings, just in general, not, not just your blog, but just in general yeah. of where they fit? Well, the things I think are really interesting about blogs and and bloggers um, is, I mean, I view it a lot sort of how they look at the media um, and how they sort of look at news stories. And often a lot of bloggers are very um, suspicious of the media, of, of mm-hmm. sort of what the agenda is, whether, you know, and, and sometimes to just a really sort of extreme level of paranoia, um, there was some blog post somewhere that was like speculating that um, had sort of concocted this elaborate, I mean, you see these just sort of elaborate conspiracy um, theories. But then what's funny is, is I've noticed, like, some of the more popular blogs, like on the Business Week site, like um, Blog Spotting with um, Heather Green and Steve Baker, um, mm-hmm. they're, like, they're like, because those guys are out there also blogging and because you sort of have their personality um, there, uh the, the, the bloggers are actually almost protective of them. They not only like them and trust them, but they like go out and sort of are their little um, army of protectors because they think that um, that they they like Stephen Heather. They think they're interesting, and they see some more personality there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting to watch that. I mean, it's quite a dramatic uh, shift. I mean, just w- one little thing that I've experienced. I was working on a story about a website um, called Yelp. It's a pretty cool website, actually. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's people. No, write. no, tell me. It's like uh, it, it's a little bit like social a social networking site. You have friends and stuff, but everybody writes reviews about mm-hmm. um, about their neighborhoods. It's like it, it, what it ends up creating. People, you sort of just blog uh, restaurants and and things that you like. Um, restaurants, bars, um, barbers, whatever. And it creates this really vibrant city guide um, for the various cities that Yelp's in. And you get, like, this really good, you know, whereas on some of the guides, like, you read reviews and you're like, you don't really know who's writing about it and whether this person's, like, you know, a millionaire with the most, you know, sophisticated taste in the world or, you know, just kind of a jerk um, who hates everything. And so you never have here, a meal you, with anyway. Yeah, anyway, so that's the long ex- explanation of what this site is. So I wanted uh-huh. to, the, the sort of original story was like, how do you motivate people to write for this site? And so I was going around and trying to interview um, people um, who use it. And so I was sending them messages on the site. I actually kept getting picked up by the spam filter because I was sending like <laughs> emails out again and again, sort of saying, will you talk to me I'm from Business Week? And a lot of people did, um, but there was there actually somebody started a talk thread about me and I guess some somebody at some college who's working on like a similar paper or something like like who is this this is really suspicious i'm really you know this is like i think it's spam i don't trust this um this bird helm guy um and it was funny because i found it and and it actually i found it after the story had come out they were like this is and and i wrote a little note on the talk board and said hi this is bird helm um sorry if i bug you um and thanks to the people who wrote here's a link to the story. And it was funny because the same people who were like, this guy's really freaking me out. Like, we're like, oh, cool story, cool. man. <laughs> oh, and it was funny. like something that was like humanized. And so I guess the, 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 the sort of power of blogs and talk boards is you have to, I mean, it's something that's sort of hard to get used to um, as reporters. You sort of have to put your, if, you, if you're successful in putting your personality there, out there and people think you're trustworthy and like you, it, it really helps it it just gives you that much more credibility, and I think that's true for for business too. So, so 
some stories go on blogs and some stories go on magazines and go in the magazine and you said some of it is a marketing challenge, but, you know, that would be one thing that would be interesting to you. But, I mean, yeah. what else for people that are listening that might want to be able to get their story into, you know, into the magazine? Because still in all, with everything, there are a lot of people that want to have the thing in the magazine and their bosses yeah, want it in right? the magazine. Because well, our I mean, readership levels online and in print are, are actually pretty similar. Um, but, yeah, it looks, you know, it's nice, and you can hold it, and you can, you can put it on your fridge, and it looks better than a printout, I guess, right? Yeah, but well. It's funny, though, I mean, because it's pretty much the same. It's pretty but, much anyway, the same, so but what, still in all, I, I don't think, maybe I'm wrong, maybe people will tell me afterwards that I, I made a huge mistake, but I still think we're at the point where, you know, getting it in the magazine when you're justifying it to your boss probably looks better or, or yeah. well, you know, prettier. but, but, but anyway, my question part is yeah. what, what, what is it? Is it the size? Is it the billings? Is it the players? You know, it's all it's, of those things. I mean, the bigger, you know, the bigger it is, the more interesting it is because the more it is at stake, um, mm-hmm. the more different it is, the sort of riskier it is. All that stuff's interesting. I mean, there's just got to be, it's got to be something that's like, you know, where there's really, where, you know, where there's sort of big questions that aren't immediately, that you can't answer in, in one more sentence. Is, is, so is, I guess one, I one thing, if somebody wants to get in touch with you to pitch you what they think is a great story, what should they do? I guess send an email because by phone is tough because usually I'm not, I try not to be mean, but it's hard when people call you all day, but I, I don't know. I think I think just like it's it, it just the most important thing is just is just realizing um, that it needs to be something that's a challenge and there's like inherent tension and um, and then something that's different and just highlighting those highlighting those things and giving specific details too. I can't tell you how many like you know there was this, this there was this for instance here's a story that I would have loved to have written if I'd known what the hell the person was talking about when they first described it to me. Uh huh. Um, it was about the launch of the Nintendo Wii, which is, like, a really cool device to begin with. Right. And, you know, I was talking with a guy who was sort of saying this was the um, agency that was doing PR for them. We're, you know, we're interested in, you know, marketing covers advertising, covers PR, and said, you know, they're doing this really innovative new push to launch the Wii, um, and it's really, you know, it was this very adjective-heavy sort of, like, it's totally... Di- and I sort of just, like, got my... You know, I glazed over and, and sort of thought, well, I'm sure it's great. Um, but what it was was they were actually going around, and as a way to um, publicize the Wii, they were, they were, instead of just going to, like, members of the media or, like, influential tech bloggers or game sites, they were going to families um, all across America, like multi-generational mm-hmm. families, and giving them a Wii and having them all play with it to sort of show, because it's, you know, I don't know if, uh, how familiar you are with the device, but it's got these motion sensors, and you sort of just act out... Um, whatever you're, um, you're doing. You know, you play tennis yeah. and you actually swing the racket. And they, you know, this is something that, like, um, everybody from little, little kids to grandmothers can sort of figure out how to do because it's very intuitive. And so mm-hmm. they had these families playing it together to sort of say, this isn't just sort of video games for kids. It's, um, it's and, and they picked out families. They'd identified families in small towns that were sort of influential families in the town, like they had, you know, at least one family member blogged. That was a rule, so they could have a presence on the Internet. And then another uh, requirement was that they would have, um, was that they were sort of, you know, I, I don't know, I grew up in a small town, and there were, like, very um, sort of well-known families that just had, like, tons of people in the family, and they were, you know, I was from Waterville, Maine. It was like, you know, the Trinwards and the Jabbers were, like, really the big families. Um, you know what I mean? Um, and so they found those in these different cities so that these are people who have, like, a big family and are sort of very good at sort of generating word of mouth. And and also because these people aren't used to getting sort of preview events or getting mm-hmm. something ahead of time, they're much more likely to talk about it and brag about it. And so I just thought it was a really cool story. But, of course, like, I looked and, and, and I had finally heard about it, like, well after the Nintendo we had launched. We're way past, like when they'd actually done it. So it was sort of past when we could do the, do the deal, right? Do the, mm-hmm. the story. And I looked at like the initial pitch and it was like, you know, they're doing really innovative, uh, groundbreaking, different work. And it was sort of like, I hear that 
you know, everybody hears that so often that you just sort of tune it out. I mean, if he'd said specifically what they were doing, um, I would have liked to write about it. You know what I mean? So be specific. That's that's good yeah. advice. You know, I heard that uh, people were actually breaking their TV screen. I don't know. What yeah, isn't there? There's like a site like uh, We Have a Problem. I think it is. <laughs> Let me. I'm in front of my computer. Let me make sure. It's people who throw their Wii and, and it breaks things. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. There's a lot of broken lamps. Um, here's a guy with like a bump on his foot from throwing the Wii. God, it's great, right? So listen, we are going to take a very short break, and when we come back, I have a couple of questions for you, and uh, then I'll let you go. We'll be back right after this. Okay. Sit tight and don't move. The Hook. We'll be back after this short break. Now, experience the future of web design and development with a whole new level of efficiency, expressiveness, and simplified workflow. Introducing Studio 8, a compilation of the latest releases from Dreamweaver, Flash Professional, Fireworks, Contribute, and Flash Paper. Sure to inspire you to create superior online video sites and mobile content. And now, through this exclusive WebmasterRadio.fm offer, listeners can save a whopping $100 off Studio 8. Visit the online store at Adobe. Or contact Adobe Customer Services and provide promo code Webmaster Radio in order to receive your discount. Studio 8, your way to create. Hey, all you affiliates out there, this one's for you. Pump up the volume, pump up the volume, pump up the volume, cash, cash. You hear that sound? That's the sound of your cat starving to death because you didn't produce enough volume. So you want to know how? Do you? XY7.com XY7.com is the only way for you to convert your clicks into cash. So let's get it together, girls. XY7.com Pump up the volume, pump up the volume, pump up the volume. Cash, cash. Are your ads managing you? Tired of click fraud and little or no ROI on your pay-per-click search ads? Take control. Reduce your cost and gain valuable traffic with effective flat fee featured listings on over 245 search engines and web directories from the ISEDN.org, the independent search engine and directory network. Now free yourself from click fraud, bidding, and hassles with low-cost top 10 exposure for less than $4 a month from ISEDN. So visit ISEDN.org today and discover how easy it is maximizing your company's online revenue stream with affordable search engine and directory flat fee ads from the ISEDN.org. Now back to The Hook. The intersection of advertising and PR. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Now, here's your host. Welcome back. I'm Katie Kempner, and you are listening to The Hook. And today, I am talking to Bert Helm, marketing editor of Business Week magazine. Hello, Bert. Hi. <laughs> that was a good one. So listen, <laughs> it's almost Super Bowl time. And it, that's the one time of year where everyone follows the commercials and is a, uh, you know, supporter and a critic. Any, uh, any companies who spot you are especially excited to see? Boy, that's a good question. I don't Thank know. You. The, the, the <laughs> <laughs> I'm so desperate for praise. Thank you. For <laughs> You're doing a Sad great really. job, Katie. You're really doing a good job. We're all really proud of you. Uh, really? <laughs> I mean, I never know. It's, it's always one that always takes me by surprise. And I'm trying to think back to last year, what the really funny ones were. Um, that, uh, gosh, I guess I'm sort of curious to see how far toward um, porn GoDaddy.com goes this year. Um, they've really made sort of a, I mean, that's pretty incredible the way that that, that like, you know, a, a site, like a total .com and like one that just makes Domain, domain names has like created so much hype around their name with like one uh, scantily clad woman, right? Yeah, isn't that, really isn't is um, you know scantily clad, but it's very they're very sort of tongue in cheek. I actually like the ad. Yeah, they are tongue in cheek. No, I'm not saying it's like it, but uh, but it's also very scantily clad. So, yeah, um, can you be very scantily clad? <laughs> 
<laughs> or is that an oxymoron? I'm Very not sure that. Clad. You're extremely scantily clad. I the uh, yeah the I mean it, it, to me it's such a simple concept, right? Uh, it, it, for such a like little nothing company, but everybody everybody knows what what GoDaddy.com is. Um, I mean, do you and think I'm sort of looking forward to what they're going to try to get away with? Do you think it makes sense for for most advertisers to be in the Super Bowl anymore? I mean, it's so cost prohibi- prohibitive, and there's so many other ways to reach consumers. Yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's tough, right? I mean, if you get something, I mean, like I guess the success story is, you know, GoDaddy probably spends just on does that one ad every year and then puts it up online. I mean, if here's this thing about the Super Bowl, and I think in some ways it can be more powerful than it used to be um, if you're smart about it. And that's because of YouTube and because of the web. Like, if you, may, if you have a hit on Super Bowl night, the next day everybody is going to send it around. Um, and it's going, to, it's going to get even more exposure and even a higher level of engagement than um, it would have had, and, and, and much more than if you just... It, it, it takes out the chance uh, related to just putting a viral video up and hoping it catches on. Like a funny ad or an entertaining ad is is good no matter what and will hopefully catch on. But if you you know if it's on the Super Bowl and everybody sees it and then everybody wants to see it the next morning, um, that can be pretty powerful. So I'd say yeah, if you if mm-hmm. you're smart about it. And I I wonder if that means that that advertisements on the Super Bowl need to be that much more entertaining and sort of focused on being funny than than a typical ad um, or sort of noteworthy because I don't know if you would send around um, oh like you know I remember Dove had had a quite a good ad last year about what was self esteem fund mm-hmm. um, and you know that was a very smart um, ad that that sort of got your attention but am I going to like send it to my buddies at work the next day I mean I might but I I I, I think it would weird them out. <laughs> or they might be like, I get like, it now. Like, now I yeah, get it. Like, like, hey, dudes, check out this uh, thing about self-esteem for teenage girls. I mean, obviously, that's an example of something where you don't get that sort of amped-up effect, and I don't think Dove, I don't think it would make sense for Dove to try to get um, that effect with the Super Bowl. But I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think it's, I, I, I definitely think there's still still a place for it. I'm, I'm kind of glad because it's, it's one of the things that makes um, the Super Bowl such an enjoyable experience. And so That's true. It's an American event, right? It's an American event. So let me ask you something. I mean, when I first met you, I was shocked at how young you are. Not shocked, but I was surprised because it made me feel so old. But uh, I'm not <laughs> that different. But I mean, you've, you've really come far in your career already. And, yeah. and I'm just, I'm wondering if you have any advice for people that are listening that are either starting out or aren't where they want to be in their careers that you could share. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I was just sort of lucky and and I, it's like, uh, you know, that's, I, it's a hard question. I mean, I don't know. I don't know where to think that way. I wonder how long I'm going to last before um, I get, you know, fired. But um, it's, I mean, I, I just think, I, you know, I just sort of always want to just, I, I, I'm just really, it's, you know, this is something that I'm really, um, I just find, okay, this is going to sound so, like, cheesy. I, I don't have any, like, I, I wish that I could have some concrete, like, points of advice, like, um, like, things you can, like, you know, show up an hour earlier than everyone else, and, and I don't know, I'm not coming up with anything funny, but, right. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just really, something I'm really into, and everybody here um, at Business Week, it's just something that, it's, like, a subject they're really passionate about, I, I mm-hmm. mean, just what they cover, and the whole process, and that's just kind of how... I, I just think sort of, you know, there are, there are other parts of it, sure, but, I mean, that's sort of the, the most important thing in the... In the Be passionate it, about what you do. I guess so. It sounds so, so, like, stupid, but, I mean, that also means, like, being extremely... Being passionate about means also being extremely... Be as self-critical as you can, I guess is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Constantly, don't sort of worry about what other people are doing or up to. Just, like, be as hard on yourself... Um, 
and how you can make yourself better and different ways you can make yourself better um, in in whatever you do. The thing I found so, and this is like, I was so last summer we did this story on this music camp called Meadow Mount, mm-hmm. um, which is where it's it's kind of an incredible place. It's this like rundown camp in upstate New York. It's in the middle of nowhere, and like every major um, string player. Um, ever. Um, Yo-Yo Ma, Itzhak Perlman, Pinkas Zuckerman, everybody went to this camp when they were a teenager. And mm-hmm. so this is for our competition issue. And we were like, you know, what is it about this little rundown camp in the middle of nowhere? Um, uh, uh, and, and, and so I went up there and well, the thing that was just incredible was like you have all these like 14-year-olds. The First of all, one of the things that hits you about this place is there are you're, you're, it's mandatory five hours of individual practice a day. Uh, mm-hmm. You are just you are doing nothing but practicing all the time, and you're locked in a cabin. There's no air conditioning. It's like pretty miserable um, for these kids, but they're just focused on practicing. The other thing that was sort of that you could feel viscerally was it wasn't a competitive place with kids being competitive with the other kids. They were all incredibly passionate about music and all incredibly you know passionate about what they were playing and what they were doing. They weren't it wasn't a cutthroat kind of place where people were hard on each other or um, particularly watching each other, but they were, everyone was so hard on themselves. I mean, it was like, like it's like everyone was kind of mental how hard they were on themselves. Like it was, you could feel it viscerally and it was really kind of affecting um, just like, you know, how self-critical these little kids were about their playing. I mean, they really were never, and these are some of the best, some of the best players for their age in the U.S. right now, and they were not, um, you know, never satisfied with what they were doing and, like, really sort of stressed out all the time. It was pretty incredible. So and, they, and you asked the, you asked yeah. the, the um, teachers there, sort of, do you think this is a problem for a, you know, 13-year-old kid to be so practicing critical. this much and sort of being so hard on themselves? And they said, mm-hmm. no, they need to um, be practicing more. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I witnessed one lesson where the teacher basically said, this kid is too satisfied with himself. And she basically ripped him, you know, he, I think he was in eighth grade, um, kind of just ripped him apart and said, no, this is, you need to worry more about this particular part of what you're doing. And, um, you know, whatever. It was, so that was pretty amazing to me. I, I started actually, it was funny, after that story, I started going to the, to the gym a lot more. Isn't that weird? Because huh. I Being thought, more like, critical. Yeah, I was like, I need to, like, just sort of work harder. It's amazing how hard those, those kids work. So are you buff now? No. That, that <laughs> lasted about two weeks. Um, and now I'm back to being, you know, go to the gym sometimes. But so be passionate and don't rest on your laurels. Keep pushing yourself. I guess so. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, sure. I think that's oh, great sorry. advice. Bert, you have been an amazing guest, and uh, I really appreciate it because you're a terrific start to my new, the new season of The Hook. Will you come back again? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> <That's> sure. <good. laughs> well, thank you, and thank you for listening. Thank you for being here, Bert. And, uh, yeah, Katie, thanks for having me. Join me next Tuesday at 2 o'clock for another edition of The Hook. Have a fantastic day. Bye-bye. 